Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. So similar to the kids' talk there, there's just a, a few points I want to make today. I want to try and keep today fairly short. Um, I want to, want to be able to let ourselves get to lunch and enjoy that fellowship time. But if I was to ask... For a Bible reference, you know, a, a reference that you've heard or you know that speaks about the truth. And I reckon the one that I'm thinking of is going to be in one of those top answers. So it's a bit of a bit of a test run. Have a think. What's what's one of those memory verses that we hear about that speaks about the truth? Any, any takers? The truth shall make you free, yeah? This is the one that we just did with the kids. Well, I like the fact that my experiment worked because the verse I was looking for was the very one Anne spoke about. You know, it's one of these ones that you know, get put on walls, get put on mugs. Get, you know, it's, it's a great memory verse. It's John 8, 32. So if you want to have a look at it, John chapter 8, verse 32. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah, great statement, great promise. You know, when we come to realization of our brokenness, when Scripture speaks about, well, you know, there's freedom available, it just, it, it just, it's amazing. It just fits. So when we hear this verse, you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the problem is, this day and age, the moment we say something like that, what's probably the more common response we're going to get? <laughs> what is truth? Yeah. Truth is relative. That's your truth, but maybe not my truth. I don't know if you've run into those sort of statements. I have. I have. The moment you start to speak about sort of saying, no, this is the truth, people start to go, oh, not, not sure if I completely agree with you there. Whose truth are you talking about? Don't we all have different truths? And I find this dynamic so interesting in our society because it's something that's been really pushed, you know, in, in philosophy and um, you know, just just the, the the thinking of our society. They sort of go, well, no, truth, truth, truth is relative. Someone's truth might be different to someone else's truth, and they try to hammer this home and sort of go, well, you know, you know, who's 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 to say that they've got the absolute, you know, the only truth? But at the same time. How many books and movies are there out there and stories out there about people seeking the truth? Have a think. How many movies are about, you know, like there's a there's conspiracy or a secret of some sort and they're, they're desperate to find out what's the truth? What's going on in this? So it's like we've got this, these two ends of the spectrum almost where on one hand our society is saying, oh, there is no truth, it's all relative. But there's this burning desire that's echoed in stories and and and. and these, these things we create are seeking for truth. You know, I've, I've been um, making a bit of a habit of whenever we go to an op shop, I've been looking for just some of those, I guess those known stories that you sort of always hear about and particularly movies, you know, there's always movie makes of particular stories, but for a lot of those, they're based from books. And so I've made a bit of a habit that when I see one of those ones that I haven't read, I go, I've seen the movie, but what does the, the book actually say? 
And so one of the ones that I've been sort of um, enjoying, he's, he's not a bad, bad author, is Dan Brown. So if you remember The Da Vinci Code, and he did a movie called Angels and Demons, another one called Inferno. And um, you know, when The Da Vinci Code came out, there was uproar, especially in the church, because the whole premise of it was that you know, all the, the whole message of the church is, is back to front, and actually Jesus was married and had children and all these sorts of things. And I laughed when that sort of came out, because I just went, it's a novel. <laughs> it's a novel. <laughs> Dan Brown did research and, and you know, researched the artworks and things like that and built a story around it. Not an ounce of truth in it. <laughs> but people got caught up going, oh no, he's trying to tear down the church. It's like, no, it's not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> God said different about the church. <laughs> but in those books, you know, in the Da Vinci Code, the one I'm working through at the moment, similar sort of thread. And it's almost, I don't know. To, to, to critique a book, it's almost pretty shallow because all it is is this, you know, this guy trying to find some truth and people trying to stop him. And that's just the whole premise of the book all the way through. But this drive, you know, this character they've created echoes, I think, humanity. Where there's this drive, no, but we're not sure about the world and there's so many unknowns. So what is the truth? So I've highlighted the conundrum that we're facing and that, that we see in our society. So, yeah, begs the question. Okay, Chris, what are you going to say? What's the answer? <laughs> so going back to that verse in John 8, now, as I said, it's a great one to quote, but put a bit of context in it. If you do still have it open there, look at the verse before. So verse 31 and then 32. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, so talking to believers, he says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So according to this verse, you know, the way we know the truth is actually saying faithful to his teachings. So we could probably leave it there, couldn't we? Because I say, yep, okay, got that. Thanks, Chris. But it does beg another question, doesn't it? How do, how do we do that? What does it look like to actually remain faithful to his teachings? So my next 20 points shouldn't take too long. I am kidding. Because <laughs> the fact is, you know, I could. I could fill a, a month of sermons about the teachings of Jesus because there's just so much in there. But if I was to try and s summarize it, if I was to try and sort of go, you know, what, what was the main gist of Jesus being here? He spoke about a lot of things. A, a lot of it evolved around the idea of kingdom, that the kingdom of God had come, and that not only had, had it come now, but it's, it's coming in, into its fulfillment as well. And Jesus himself, you know, went, went, went cornered, you know. So if you were to summarize the teachings, you know, the teachings of the scriptures, of the word. In Mark 12, you know, this is one we're quite familiar with. Mark 12, verse 29 to 31. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen to Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And the fact is he mirrors that even in his own instructions. So he sort of says, yeah, when, when challenged, someone said, what was the greatest commandment? What was the greatest teaching? He gave us that. But then in John 13, you know, he teaches from himself saying, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. 
you should love each other. And the fact is, you know, they didn't fully understand the breadth of that statement. You know, love each other as I have loved you. And what was he about to do? Give his life. So I know I could go very deep on, you know, what, you know, the teachings of Jesus. What does it mean to remain faithful to his teachings? But the fact is, if we start with that, everything else should really fall into line. When we love God, when we, when we just surrender ourselves to him, surrender ourselves to, to his way, to his truth, to his life. Yeah? Morality and, and, and just perception of the world just falls into place. Through his word, through just time in prayer and, and just time in, in his presence. And so we speak about, you know, okay, so Jesus came. He gave us this, this, this new way of living and we call it the gospel, the good news. So I, I started, I read through a ton of scriptures going, all right, you know, what's, what's a, a great scripture that I would sort of say surmises the gospel that sort of covers it in its, in its ideas. And the one I want to share you, and this is a great one and make notes or put it in the back of your mind to have a read later on, but it's actually out of one of the smaller, smaller books of the New Testament. It's out of Titus. And so Titus, again, writing to a, to, to a group of believers to encourage them, starts off like this in verse 3. So it's Titus chapter 3, but then verses 3 to 7. So if you can just remember chapter 3 of Titus, you can go back and have a look yourself. But 3, three to 7 says this, once, once we were too foolish and disobedient, We too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. So he's describing this is where we were. This is the state of humanity. But verse 4, but, like that, but, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Yeah, I've read times before, I've you know, read the whole Bible over, I don't know how many times just in picking through things and doing reading plans and things like that. But in my prep for this, when I pulled that out, I was went, wow, how, how, how much is that just a clear, distinct statement of what the gospel is? That we were once broken, that we were the opposite to what God wanted, that we hated each other. But because of the mercy and grace through the work of Jesus Christ, we not only have forgiveness, but we have life. New life, new birth through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this idea of you know, finding the truth, to sort of wrap this up. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up trying to go, well, you know, I don't know if I know that yet. I don't know if I've found that yet. But it's because we have this idea that we're trying to find all truth. There's a big difference between knowing the truth and knowing all truth. All truth, that's, that's God's department. 
knowing the ins and outs of everything and why things happen the way they do and why, you know, the world's the way it is and just the way we interact with the world and brokenness and all that sort of thing. There's so many questions we could ask. And people do. And, you know, they're good questions and we should never sort of just palm them off and we should never just give it a pat answer. But we should allow the fact that there are questions and some questions we won't find clear answers to. So we won't necessarily be brought into all truth. And it doesn't say, you know, all truth will set you free. No. It's just saying the truth. So what's those keys? What's those summaries? What's those main points that bring us freedom? They give us hope when there's uncertainty. That gives us hope when there's unknowns. And it's exactly that that we read before. The good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that we were broken and he made a way for us to not be broken. He made a way for us to have life. And when we follow that, when we just follow that simple instruction of loving God and loving others, let that be our starting point. The fact is that is enough truth for us. That is enough truth to give us just absolute hope, absolute faith. So, you know, studies and all that sort of thing, going deeper, KYB, stuff like that, it's brilliant. You know, always encourage getting deeper in the Word. But even if we took it as simplest forms, if we just grabbed even just those summary sort of verses that are there, that's enough. That's the truth that we need to be able to hold on to, no matter what this world throws at us. Because honestly, I don't think anything the world throws at us could question that truth. And I love the fact that there are testimony and story about the power of the gospel, the simple gospel, the power of just that in its own essence is enough. I want to tell you a story, and it's going to be around the song that we're going to finish up with. So I found a little backing track for a, a song that we probably have all heard because it's a chorus that's been around for a very long time. It's, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's a beautiful old chorus and just a beautiful old song to sing. But have you heard the story behind it? They track it back to, you know, about 200 years ago, 150 years ago, roughly, with the great revival in Wales. And what happened through that revival was that there was a great burst of missionary work. They realized that this gospel, this truth that they now held, had to go out into all the world. And so many missionaries went to all over the place, but one of the the places in, in focus here is actually northeast India. And it's a region known as the Assam. And it comprised of hundreds of different tribes who were primitive and were these people groups that they called the headhunters. They were vicious, vicious people. And their, their, their claim of power and their claim of authority was to take the head of their enemy. Literally, headhunters. <laughs> And so into the, like I'll just read this little passage, into these hostile, hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist Mission to spread the message of love, peace and hope in Jesus Christ. And naturally they're not welcomed, but one missionary succeeded in converting a man, one, his wife and the two children. And this man's faith proved contagious and many, many, many villages became, began to accept Christianity but not through his life, but through his death. Because this one man 
the, 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 the tribal chief heard that this man had converted to Christianity and he's furious about it. And the headhunter was like, no, this is, this is not in my, in my tribe, in my, in my people. And so he brought the man and his family out and he said, no, look, you need to, you need to, um, what's the word? <laughs> Renounce your faith. You need to deny Christ. Otherwise, I'm going to kill your kids. And the first line of this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, is based off what this man's response was. He said that. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And so the chief kills the kids. He then turns to him and says, all right, you know, I've taken your kids. If you don't deny Christ, if you don't renounce, I'm going to kill your wife. And he goes into the next line of the song. And I meant to put it in my notes and I didn't. But the next line of the song that we sing was what he said. The nun, I'm trying to remember what it is. The nun go with me. Still I will follow. Thank you, Barry. The nun go with me. Still I will follow. And so they kill his wife. And the chief, just in his rage, says, no, come on. Are you, are you willing to deny Christ even for your own life? And the third stanza of the, the song is what he replied. And this man was willing to die for this newly found Jesus. He didn't know much. He just knew the simple gospel. But he knew that that was the truth. That he was willing to go through the pain and the suffering of seeing his kids get killed, his wife get killed, and then himself be, be killed. But the reason why this story lives on is because the chief was so enthralled by this sacrifice that this man was willing to die for this newly found message that he just went, there must be truth in this. And the account's given, you can look this up, you look up the backstory of, you know, I've decided to follow Jesus. That the chief just went, well, if he was willing to see that happen to his children, to his wife and to himself, it must be right. And he gave his life to Jesus on the spot. And through that sacrifice, the rest of the tribe just went, well, the chief is doing it, we're doing it. But it just speaks of the power of the simple gospel, of that truth. You know, that man didn't know all of scripture. He just knew whatever the, the missionaries had shared with him. And back in those days, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. It was enough for him to realize his brokenness, that he needed a savior. And that savior was worth dying for. Amen. So let's not get stuck worrying about, you know, things that we may not know or understand fully, let's just realize that we have the truth. We have enough. Amen? So let's sing this. Let's sing, I've decided to follow Jesus.